This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey stackers, Joe Salcihai here. And if you heard this yesterday, you can uh, hit the fast forward button a couple times because I just want to let you know that we have made the difficult decision to push back our tour two months. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Go back to yesterday's episode for all of that discussion. It's just the first couple minutes of the episode. But if you're planning on joining us next week, uh, we are going to be beginning March first instead. So stackybenjamins.com slash stacked. And uh, please go back and listen to why we decided to do that. All right. That's that. And now on to our previously recorded open for this week's special shows. Can you believe it's Thursday already? It's Thursday. The week is just flying by. This th- th- this week flies by every stinking year. Like it's the week when you and I are enjoying family, uh, playing a bunch of games, relaxing with people, and uh, it is still just flying by. It's crazy. Welcome everybody back to the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm Joe Saul. See hi across the card table from me, my friend OG. Here pulling extra shifts. We are giving you five days of financial independence retire early theme shows. Big thanks to Brooke Miller, our fantastic writer and website manager and archivist. She writes the 201. She's a former financial planner herself. Brooke went into the archives and found this one today. And this one is fairly new, OG. We're going to do roundtable episodes the rest of the week, today and tomorrow. And this one is July 2020. Is Chasing Early Retirement Naive? So we're we're diving into that. We have Don McDonald, our friend Don from the Talking Real Money podcast, Paula Pant from Afford Anything, and you, OG. We'll also talk to Aaron Velke about his money club. We're going to see Aaron in Baltimore when we come to Baltimore with uh, the tour. All right, OG, let's get this roundtable started, huh? This is you, Paula Pant, and Don McDonald. Is planning for an early retirement naive? Let's listen in. My plan is sound, mathematically sound. It cannot fail. It's perfect. Three months from now, I will be worth $50,000, independent for life. 
Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and did someone say fire? They say never yell fire in a crowded podcast audience, but today we're shouting it from the roof. But check that, the the basement top, whatever. We're talking fire, the financially independent retire early movement, that is. Is it naive to try and retire early? One blogger says, yeah, today we'll weigh in ourselves with the man who's talking real money on his Talking Real Money podcast, Don McDonald. Next, from an undisclosed location somewhere in the USA, it's Paula Pant. And finally, he's a regular around these parts, the one, the only, the OG. Plus, not sure what you're going to teach your kids this last month of summer? How about y'all join the new Stacking Benjamins Money Club? Here to help us launch our new members-only club. Oh, I hope they have those sweet jackets. We welcome the guy from the Ortis Academy, Aaron Velke. Plus, we'll make sure to magnify a lucky listener's money. And I'll be very impressed if you can get my historical trivia question right. And now, for a guy who lost his fire a long time ago, it's Joe Saul Seahide. No, 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 no. That fire is still absolutely going. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It's Fire Friday. I'm Joe Saul Seahide, Average Joe Money on Twitter and Oh, gee, it seems that Doug is calling for my demise, and that's not that's not cool. Uh, Doug's always calling for our demises. <laughs> why does Doug always our demisery? We talked about this on uh, last week, but why does Doug always seem to have the pill ready when you wake up from a nap? Exactly, He's hovering Stop over you, moving. Stop squirming. <laughs> I'm sure glad I got to appear with the A team. <laughs> Wait a minute. We haven't introduced you yet, Don. Sorry. I'll go hold, back over hold here. Hold What the heck is he doing, OG? Don Just is already. Stepping on, his li- stepping on everybody's well, you lines. You made me laugh. <laughs> and we're going to tell you who that voice is later. Spoiler, his name's Don. But before we get to him, from an undisclosed location, Doug said, it's Paula Pant. You're not in Vegas anymore? I am not in Vegas anymore. I'm, I'm not in Vegas at the moment, at least. But I do have to say this. You came to Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. and you and I, we had a socially distanced party saying hello to you, goodbye to me, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. It was a ton of fun. And I'm, I am still totally impressed by your time management. The fact that you were able to party right before <laughs> you left the state I mean, you got to be organized for that. Joe in time management. Paula said a joke. <laughs> Paula, you know what it was. I have 48 hours to go and I've been uh, furiously packing. I needed to get hammered. <laughs> and hammered you got. <laughs> he did we, not disappoint. We had a ton of fun. Thanks, thanks for the invite, by the way. It, well, you know. Well, I was literally in Michigan <laughs> while this was going on, you know, but thanks for the invite. You were in Michigan. Yeah. Well, that went just oh, a, sorry. Just, just another event. OG doesn't get invited to. <laughs> oh, it's cool. No offense taken, Paula, but thank you. I forgot. But you had a fun. You you were driving around the United States. That had to be fun. You and a turtle. Yes, and you know what? Road trip with turtle is the the way to do it. People expect a dog or a cat or something on a road trip. Nobody expects a turtle. <laughs> it's a great conversation starter. Look, we're talking about it right now. Look, I have a turtle. 
Look, yeah, exactly. There's a little pause in the conversation. Nobody knows what to say next. And you just wing out. I got a turtle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. And the guy who is our guest, Paula, we have a guest of honor today. Ooh, and I don't, a guest of dishonor. I don't know if maybe he may think he's the guest of dishonor. He's going to be like, what the hell am I doing here? But believe it or not, we might have said this earlier. His name's Don. Don, dun, dun, dun. The man, the myth, the legend from Talking Real Money, the radio show and podcast. It's our good friend, Don McDonald. It's about time you got oh, here. Oh, man. I have been dying to visit the basement ever <laughs> since I first saw the picture online. I went, I got to go there. How long have you, seriously, we seriously, Don, you and I have been talking about you coming on the show for what, two years? Two years. Yes. Yeah, it goes back to uh, FinCon or something. We met in a hallway. I'm uh-huh. like, I'm a fan of the show. I got it. You got to come on the show. You're like, yeah, anytime. And then, yeah, Joe, time management, it, it all went south. But, but I'm here's what's so cool, dude, is that I'm on like the legend show. You see, I listen and, <laughs> and you know, I, I get Paula and the OG and you. I'm honored. I know. I'm sure you have goosebumps. I'm sure oh, you, you definitely have goosebumps. Well, actually, they're turtle bumps. Right? <laughs> turtle bumps. Well, you and the Talking Real Money podcast, I was listening to you guys just earlier today. You guys were, you guys have so much fun. Tell everybody about the show. Uh, well, Talking Real Money is a show I do with my good friend, Tom Cock, who's an old PBS guy, TV guy and radio guy. And we do, we have a great time. We talk about money and we make stockbrokers really mad and uh we make insurance agents even more mad and we try to help people figure this stuff out you guys were having a little fun with uh our friends i say friends kind of in air quotes over at uh stansbury the stansbury uh i'm gonna make some people mad too here stansbury newsletter people newsletter yes let's try 20 of them they have 20 financial newsletters i'm in the wrong business we have one we just started one (laughs) tm TM, yeah. 20. We, I'm serious. And one of them is $5,000 a year. You're damn. definitely in the wrong business. I'm definitely in the wrong business. Five grand a year. How, but do they have any subscribers? That's really Oh, my gosh. Thing. They have thousands because Porter Stansberry is a master of writing these horribly scary stories. He's a really good copywriter. He's a great co- As a matter of fact, he started out at Agora Publishing as go. the mailroom guy. Worked his way up to being the doom and gloom guy. You got it. And and runs the place. It sounds like, Paula, that our friend Len Penzo, who Don is here, uh, Don is here this week. Yeah. It sounds like this is Len. Len's retiring, Don, very soon. Maybe he should go right for Stansberry because he's our doom and gloom guy. Well, there's a guy, there's a position open because uh, one of his writers died 10 or 15 years ago and under suspicious circumstances. <laughs> you guys so. talk about that. There's a job. Yeah, there's a job. Somebody accidentally fell off a roof. Accidentally <laughs> and plunged through another roof. I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. No. I feel terrible. Hashtag bad day. Hey, we're mm-hmm. going to have a good day today because we've got Don here. We got Paula. We got OG. So we're going to be talking the fire movement and somebody saying that maybe... Maybe this isn't a great idea. Let's get the party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, today we have a piece from the Funding Happy blog. Our friend Karen writes that blog. Uh, She is in Austin, Austin OG, not Austin, Massachusetts. Austin, Massachusetts. Austin, Texas. But here we have a celebrity reader with us. I don't know if the real pros, Don, they have celebrity readers. 
Yeah. Yeah. Professionals. You guys should have like celebrity reenactors, maybe hire somebody to fall off the building to recreate the Stansberry mystery. <laughs> no, he's got, y'all got to get that. Uh, who is the guy Netflix. that did, did the, uh, it, did they bring that guy back? The unsolved mysteries guy? You know what I'm talking about? He's probably yeah, yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I don't think so. I, mean, I he's don't got, think it's he's, the same. I don't he's got to be dead. I mean, the guy with the voice, does Paul even know what show we're talking about? I do Unsolved Mysteries. It was a show that was on in the 90s. Who are you? I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> you know, the Rubik's Cube, you know, Unsolved Mysteries. Anyway. I know, I know uh, so much about this world. <laughs> we do have a celebrity reader, and this is somebody, Paula, who you also know. Our friend uh, Cameron Huddleston is going to read this. Cameron has written for lots of places. Kiplinger, you've seen her all over the place. Right now she writes for Go Banking Rates. Cameron Huddleston will read this piece from Funding Happy. Putting the fire out, why it's naive to retire early. This blog post starts with a tweet from Callie Roberge. Explain to me how shrinking the whole purpose of your existence for the 10 to 15 years to socking away 70% of your income so you can quit your job and live off 40000 a year for the rest of your life equates to freedom. You still live in a cage. Only difference is you made it yourself. The article begins, can we talk about this for a sec? Because damn, that's a truth bomb that kicked me right in the gut when I read it on Twitter the other day. Unlike Susie Orman, who claimed you can't retire without $10 million unless you're a public servant, explain that logic, this piece of wisdom made complete sense to me. Now, while I'm still a huge advocate for the FIRE movement, I lean more toward the first two letters of that acronym rather than the last two, financial independence versus retire early. This is partly because I'm probably too old for early retirement, but also because I agree that retiring in your 20s or 30s isn't rational. In fact, in your 30s and early 40s, your career is still just warming up. So to opt out of some of the most powerful earning years of your life, just so you can live off a small, guesstimated salary for the rest of your life, doesn't seem like freedom to me. The FIRE movement would argue that retiring early just means you're retiring from your professional career, so you're free to pursue other opportunities, money generating or otherwise, with your time. But then that begs the question, why are we signing up for careers we can't wait to be finished with in the first place? Would it not make more sense to focus your time and energy on finding a career that's fulfilling and sustainable, rather than focusing all your effort on trying to escape the one you hate? I think a big part of that answer is that we're so young when we start our professional lives, it's hard to know what the ideal career pursuit is because we lack self-awareness and life experience. So we opt for what we think makes sense and also what's available to us. But that's the very reason why retiring in your 20s and 30s probably isn't a great idea either. At that point, you're still developing a sense of self and a library of personal experiences that will shape you in years to come. To assume in your 30s that you'll be A-OK living in a trailer on 40000 per year for the rest of your life is naive. I'm not suggesting that starting early to save for retirement isn't smart. It's probably the smartest thing a young person can do besides saying no to drugs and cigarettes. However, the fire movement can invoke a rabid behavior where saving money becomes the sole focus of living to the point of misery. Personally, I think that's a ridiculous waste of precious life, and yet 
I hear it in many of the fire stories I come across. I'm sure that's not true of all fire enthusiasts, but I do know we can get a little overzealous when fueled by a desperate need to escape a job we don't like. Been there, done that. In fact, the first few months of my fire minimalist journey, I accidentally tossed out all my immigration papers in a flurry of purges and bought a new car I now regret purchasing just because I thought it would get me to fire sooner. Rookie mistakes. Now my approach to fire, or FIB, T-O-T-R-E, financial independence, but too old to retire early, is much more chill. My husband and I plan to work full-time for another four years, then retire with more than enough money to maintain our current lifestyle. That said, I still plan to work on my passion projects, like this website and other health and money-related initiatives, well after I'm done with my 9-to-5. In the meantime, I can be selective about the work I choose to do because we have the financial means to do so, which is the true power of wealth. Instead of missing out on life to get out of the workforce earlier, I chose to find work I enjoy and that I can do remote because it turns out I don't hate working. I just hate commuting and wearing pants. I find that getting on the fire bandwagon is a lot like becoming a fitness enthusiast after years of being a couch potato. You realize how amazing it feels to be fit and all the ways it changes your life for the better. So you over-index on it because too much of a good thing is great until it's not. Then one day, after far too much obsessive dieting to keep those six-pack abs visible, you realize that it's much more fun to live with balance and moderation. So you stop with the obsessive dieting and hardcore workouts and opt for something more sustainable and enjoyable. Saving money is no different. We almost have to go too far so that we can find the boundaries that are right for each of us individually. It's like a pendulum that swings from one extreme to another. Eventually, it slows down and finds a resting point in the middle. So where are you on that swinging scale? Well, this is a super interesting piece. And I think, Don, I'm going to start with you and let's go big picture first, which is generally speaking, do you agree with Karen here that maybe this idea of retire early isn't all that it is cracked up to be? Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's something we've talked about a lot on my show and, and podcast. The fact that I don't understand the RE part, really. I do get the FI. I love the whole idea of financial independence. I'm a huge proponent of people start and in fact, starting your kids. When your kids get their first job, instead of giving them stupid PlayStations for Christmas, give them a dull, boring Roth IRA. Give them something that'll matter in the future. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, easy cowboy. Not give what, them a what PlayStation. About I know. Sorry. Yeah, take away the iPhone. I mean, you grumpy, can play all kinds of fun games. <laughs> you can play all kinds of fun games on the PlayStation, Dodd. All right. Or don't give them the, the <laughs> iPhone then. But I, they don't need two you know, of them. Give them the Roth because I would prefer calling fire something like FIFO, financial independence, future options. Yeah, what is it that what is it that Karen calls hers in here? She had a name for it. I I, I I I love hers. I have it right here. Fib totre. Oh yeah, fib totre. Yeah, that's an easy. I that's a mnemonic. Up a little. That's a mnemonic <laughs> that you're gonna get. I think Karen just coined the new hot hot movement, the fib totre movement. Financial independence, but too old to retire early. Paula, Paula, where do you stand on this? 
I am in total agreement. I love the observation that if you're in your 20s and you're racing to be done with working, maybe you haven't chosen a career that's really right for you. And I do think that a lot of people who are in the FIRE movement, I mean, if if I could wave a magic wand and get rid of the word retire, get rid of the RE part of it, I totally would because I think that the notion around retirement is a distraction. The idea of financial independence is simply that you're building a safety net underneath you so that when you change careers or start your own business or or experiment for a while and try a few different types of part-time jobs while you're exploring what you might want to do next and figuring out that second act, you know, you want to have some type of financial safety net underneath you. So that to me is how I define FI and I would just as soon get rid of the RE. Do you think that the RE Paula is like Karen says, do you think that she's right that this is a bunch of younger people that just absolutely hate their job? It's oftentimes people, I hate is a strong word, but it is oftentimes people who are burned out with their job. They aren't in love with their job. They feel as though they're just going through the motions, punching the clock. Sometimes it's younger people who are disappointed that the real world isn't what they hoped it would be. Sometimes it's people who are in their 40s or 50s who just don't want to wait until their 60s to retire. They want to start that second act while they still have energy. Does that second act, though, you know, that's the thing that bothers me. Is the second act just sitting on your derriere? People weren't made to do that. We're not made to be idle. We need work to be alive, I think. Yeah, I think most people in the fire movement, when they go into that second act, that second act is typically some alternate job or some alternate career. It might be a lower paying one than what they're used to. They might go from being a a software engineer to being a a kindergarten teacher. But maybe if that's what lights them up, then that's what lights them up. You know, <laughs> that does not sound like a really great a great transition. Not for you, <laughs> for me. Not for you, but yeah. if you love kids, keep those and, like, kids away from me. I, gonna... I love my kids. You know, <laughs> I was just saying. Paula, could you imagine OG as a kindergarten teacher? A kindergarten cop. <laughs> Kids are learning all the salty words at age five. <laughs> That's exactly what it would be. I learned a new word, daddy. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, that'd be his shortest second career ever, OG. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what I was going to say now. So Paula cut me off. It was really, it was really poignant. The, um, Blame Paula. I, we always do. Don't worry. Okay. I, got, I got it. Have you listened to the show, Don? Blame That's what we do. Paula. Right. <laughs> I think that the, the problem with this is uh, several fold. First of all, I've never known anyone who is wildly successful to actually stop doing what they're doing. I mean, if you look at everyone in the, in the world that you would check the box and mark them as successful, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or Ray Dalio or... Richard Branson, they're not retired. They've had enough. Oprah. They've had enough financial independence for decades that they could have sat on the beach, but they're doing stuff. I mean, my grandfather worked at a printing company and uh, owned a printing company. He worked into his 90s. Probably that's the reason he lived so long, because he had stuff to do. Maybe it, the goal then should be financial independence, retire never. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, and if you're in your 20s or in your 30s, I mean, I look at people who have opinions about this in their 20s and I just kind of I kind of giggle about it myself because I look at I look at it and, and and reflect I was putting I was putting a tent together for my son who's in Boy Scouts and it's a tent that I had when I was into backpacking and mountaineering and everything it's kind of worn out but it still serves a purpose 
And I was just, just finding myself thinking, like, I would never in a million years sleep in this thing again right now. <laughs> like, I've spent so many, so many, so many nights in this tent. But then you see people who are like in their 20s and are like, you know, all I got to do is save 300 grand. I can live in a thousand a month. I'm like, yeah, you've never really, you don't know what you're talking about. And I, I just, I, I think it's just very frustrating because, you know, our friend um, Dana Ansbach, who was on last week with us, right? Or two weeks ago. She had a great quote about this. What's so wrong with a life well worked? Like, just do what you want to do. Just do what you want to do. Go make some money. Like, work. Have fun. You know, you don't have to... It doesn't have to be an all or nothing proposition, you know? I mean, and I get it. Some people don't, you know, don't have the flexibility in that. But um, but gosh, the whole idea of like, I can't wait to be done at 40. It's like, what kind of life are you trying to lead, man? Well, Paul, a part of that, people in their 30s creating these goals... Do you agree with what Karen says here and that Cameron read, which is that people setting these goals in their 30s, they're not really realistic and they don't realize your body's going to change. So you're saying at the age of 30, you don't know what you're going to want when you're in your 50s. Yes. And I think that that is all the more reason to build the FI part, because when you're in your 50s, as you just said, you don't know what you're going to want. You don't know if your career is still going to be satisfying. You don't know if you're still going to have enough health to be able to work or to be able to work in the same capacity or career or industry that you're currently in. And so building that safety net underneath you gives you some flexibility. It gives you some options. And even if it's not a sufficient safety net to keep you at your same lifestyle, even if it's sort of a bare bones safety net, that's better than nothing at all. So if things go wrong and you need to make some changes, you're able to do that. I think it just becomes even more important as you age. Well, so Don, based on what you said, should the real acronym then be uh, FIFA? FIFA, <laughs> FIFA or FIFO? Find, find uh, financial independence, find happy. What about that? Yeah, that's, that's a good one, except that thing at the end is hard to pronounce no 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 that's as good that's ever been as good as karen's <laughs> karen's was bad i admit it <laughs> karen's was bad i went fib to tree uh, <laughs> yeah and and here's the other thing the the point of living is to find what you love and when you're in your 20s and you're fresh out of school i would hazard to guess that most people are not in the career of their dreams i mean i started out as a service clerk at Sears Roebuck and Company. That was a miserable job, but it took me a long time to move up along the way. And and as opportunities presented themselves, new things happened and I started to love what I did. Well, and technology is another great example here. The stuff that's going to happen in 20 years from now, we don't have any idea even what that looks like. I mean, my kids are, I've got a 13-year-old and 11-year-old. Their goal in life right now is to be a YouTube video game streamer. Because there's people out there who make money doing that. Now, I get it. There's not a lot of people who do that. And it's certainly not a... I'm not going to push them in that direction. I'm like, you can do that. Any kind of doctor, video game person you want to be. You can be any kind of doctor. You know, but... Um, you know why, Don? Because they have a PlayStation. That's why. We do. That's why. Yeah, okay. Actually, I feel badly now. They each have one. <laughs> That's even worse. For their future career as yeah. a player. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. You know what? We deducted the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, it's a business expense. I'm so, sure I've known OG for a long time. The PlayStation was a deduction. It was a, a business opening expense. <laughs> IRS I, allows you ten thousand dollars a business opening expense. Please, everybody, that's for it with your five twenty nine. Please, 
did. It was my tax free. Everybody were joking. Please don't do that. Please also don't turn me in. We are you trained. Can, no, no, wait. You can pay for uh, for career training. You don't have to go to college anymore with the five twenty nine. There you go. We are trained non professionals. Don't try. But this my point all. is, is that there's not. You know, like you said, Paula. You don't know what you're going to find happiness in. Or uh, Don, what you said about like not having any idea if you're if you're in the thing for for you for a long time. The thing that you might really like to do may not even been created yet. Mm, that's a great point. I hadn't even thought of that. That's an awesome point. And the fight, the financial independence part is the is so important though. In whatever the last two letters of that acronym are, three letters or five letters or twelve. It's that part that allows you the freedom to pursue other careers and other opportunities. I, that's why I love the first two letters. Paula, you know that old phrase about, uh, is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is it better to have the wrong goal than to never have had a goal at all? Is it better to jump into the fire movement and think you're going to live in a tent on $40,000 a year or uh, than to not have had a goal? You know, I like, that's very poetically worded. And I would hazard to say yes. If there is a goal that you're pursuing at some point in your life, that means that you're passionate about something and you have a vision. So yeah, pursue the vision, pursue the passion, pursue the goal, and be okay with the fact that that goal might pivot as time passes and you become a different person than you were five years ago. But the only problem that I have with that, because because I tend to agree with you, but I think, but I think Paula, that when we look at when we look at the fire movement, especially you see these people living on nothing right now, right? They're giving away today. Some misguided, I think they're misguided, some misguided people giving away today for a future that, that is pretty uncertain. I like the expression plan for the future, but don't live in it. And so if you are deferring, you know, you can defer gratification, but you can't defer happiness. If you're deferring happiness to a later date, then you're doing something wrong. If you're deferring health to a later date, you're doing something wrong. But if you're super passionate about a a given goal and you're happy living an extreme life for a little while, heck, you know, there's not necessarily a correlation between level of spending and life satisfaction. Actually, there was a study done that showed up to $75,000 money did bring happiness. To the extent that money can cover the bottom of the Maslow hierarchy of needs, to the extent that it provides financial security, which is what FI is all about, then yeah, there's, there's certainly a correlation between your financial security and stability and your happiness levels. But there isn't a correlation between, say, people who, who spend 90% of their income versus 70% of their income. Like, in other words, don't conflate the notion of spending more money with the notion it, it, in terms of discretionary spending. You know, don't conflate discretionary spending with happiness. What if I spend 110% of my income? <laughs> let me tell you something. <laughs> That's pretty fun. You've done that before. You're, you're destined for future disappointment when the, when the bill comes due. Might be fun today, not so fun tomorrow. All right. Unfortunately, kids, we have to wrap this up, but and we'll give our guest of honor, Don, the last word. So, uh, OG, what's our takeaway from Karen's piece here? Uh, words of wisdom from this. Gosh, I mean, I don't really have any. I think that financial independence is personal. 
I think the retirement stuff, if you're in your 20s and you hate your job, you should just find a different job. I've never known anyone who is like blinding successful who was like, cool, I can't wait to be done at 38 or something like that. So just find your own little happiness and just go make some money. Maybe save some. Paula? I'd say focus on the FI and forget about the RE. I thought you were going to say focus on the FI and instead go for, what's her acronym again? Uh, Fib Chotre. No? It's... Maybe not. Well, there's the finding happiness. So it's the F-I-F-H. F-I-F-H. Yes. FIFA. That's our new movement. Welcome to the Choose FIFA podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, Don, you've got the last word, Mr. Guest of Honor. Don't. Don't. Life is hard enough when you're working in a job you hate. Why should you make your life miserable to live a miserable life in the future? I'm a big, big fan of saving and investing like crazy until it hurts if you can do it. Don't make the the giving up your life for some life of leisure the goal. Make improving your life the goal. Make giving yourself options down the road your goal. That's what you really want. Well, guys, I can't wait for this next segment because... The scientists at Stacky Benjamin's Industries have been very, very busy, and we have a few things in store for the summer and this fall, but for all of you who either have kids at home or you feel like you're new with money, hang on tight, strap in, because man, we've got some good stuff for you. By the way, if you know somebody who's not great with money and maybe needs a foundation, not sure where to start, you know how we believe in the science of play. That's what this is going to be all about. Let's unveil the brand new Stacking Benjamins Money Club. Well, today's a big day in the basement. As I said during the introduction, we are rolling out our new money club. And because you can't trust us to make something on our own, we went to the experts who know how to make a money club. Aaron Velke from Ortis Academy joins us. How are you, man? Flipping amazing. <laughs> it is so good to be here and be back in the basement. I am happy that you're here with us, brother, because you and I, a few months ago, put our heads together, and I really like uh, where this is going. Today, we are debuting the Stacky Benjamins Money Club. Super exciting, man. I can't wait to talk about it. Well, let's do that. Tell everybody, because uh, just so people know, we've tried to create... Some stuff on our own in the past. Uh, we spent so much time making podcasts here in the basement, though, that I would much rather, much rather partner with somebody who's an expert in, a, in an area. Ortis Academy has gotten just fantastic reviews on financial literacy, which, as many of you listening know, financial literacy is hard. A lot of people say, well, why don't they teach us in schools? Well, a lot of studies have shown that a lot of the programs out there don't work. So our goal was to help create something that works. And instead of us doing it, uh, Aaron and his team are doing it with us. So Aaron, let's talk about the genesis of Money Club. Tell me about how it initially started before our partnership. So this all started with a game. We, we made something that put people in the driver's seat of making choices. And while we were in the process of delivering this game to schools and programs and youth organizations, we noticed a very, very fascinating thing, and that was people don't make rational choices. 
<laughs> which seems obvious, right? We make very emotional choices, but even in this simulation, people were young adults, kids, ad adults, volunteers were all so captivated by allure, by prizes, by all these things that were we created to distract them. And we started realizing like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This is, this is a hundred percent emotional right now. And as we went down this rabbit hole and explored and started to look at the studies, the research, the data, basically all of the trends say teaching the way money works would be like teaching a polar bear how to fly, right? They might understand how to fly, but it, it just isn't effective. And money is an emotional thing. So we started wrapping in social emotional learning, which basically technical term, but what we really started focusing on was who are you? What do you value? What do you care about? Let's focus on those things. And so our entire money club premise is that we got to have the ability to, to talk about money and talk about it in a safe manner so that we don't say, Hey, do these things we say and said, what do you, what do you care most about? And let's help you build some skills to get there. And that's just been a wildly different approach in a world where, you know, there's so much pressure to have a certain thing, wear a certain thing, have uh, an image. And Money Club is very much a relevant and practical tool set for the average individual to get just a little bit better, right? We don't need to make these huge jumps, just incremental, consistent improvements over time is really the way to go. Well, and the reason I thought it's important for us to launch right now, Aaron, is because 2020, is, you know, it's been such a strange year where <laughs> we could actually go out. Like the idea of having a club now where I don't need to wear a mask, but I can be in, in social situations and I'm learning about money in a safe place altogether. Let's dive into how it works. So if I sign up for Money Club, what happens? So the first thing that you'll do is learn a little bit about the platform. So this is an online platform and... What we really want the platform to feel like is a place, right? Which sounds somewhat redundant, but you know, if you were to walk into a club, you might see a door to your left, a door to your right, and a door in front of you. And we, we wanted it to feel that way. You've got a couple of different doors that you can go through and you can explore. We've got a couple of different categories that we are producing. So we've got courses. Courses are divided by different stages and we welcome people in different stages to this education. So whether you are in foundations level, right? The very beginning of your financial education, whether you're in stability, stability is a big hot topic right now because many individuals have been compromised as far as their stability financially goes. And then we've got growth and growth is, you know, for ambition and drive and entrepreneurship and sort of all those elements tied up together. And courses have golden threads. So they're, they're really, tied to an objective and an outcome. And, and that's where the bulk of the education itself will, will be. But then we've also got what we call a content cafeteria. And this is where we do little how-to videos. And while it may not be as golden threaded, the content is still very, very important. And it's just chunked a little bit more bite size. And we think of this as like, sit down, have a meal, have a casual conversation with us over, over lunch. And then we've got what I think is probably the most important part and that's our community. So it's an online, it's called our members lounge. And this is where the conversation of money becomes super important, right? Vulnerability, safety, and the ability to have the conversation that most of us have never been comfortable enough or in an environment where it's okay to talk about is now front and center, where it's completely open. 
And what is fascinating is when we can create a lot of vulnerability through our education and what we're posting, people are, are so welcome to share that the information that comes out is beautiful. Like it's, it's just amazing to see when we are in a space that allows us to share what we're struggling with, what we're great at, what we need help with, the idea of a club truly comes to life. Boy, it's funny. I, I just spent some time for our other show, Money with Friends, with uh, Lindsay Goldbert, who is a comedian, has a great podcast called Spent. Uh, she's written a book. She, she, she writes everywhere. But she was just saying that she learns by lessons, not lectures. And, mm. and some of the lessons that because people are able to be vulnerable, Aaron, some of the things I see people post in there are fantastic. Everybody's learning from each other. And we're finally having these open, honest conversations about money that you won't find in other places. You won't. And what I think is so magical about, you know, this is more like a movement than anything. You know, those that are really excited about this, like they're instantly excited about it because it, it feels like an ecosystem, right? The, the idea that this is a money club is really intentional. We want it to feel like you're a part of something that's bigger than you. So it's not only you learning about money, it's you supporting other people and creating accountability and finding individuals that, you know, you can put your heads together on a subject or, you know, we're going to start rolling out some scholarships and doing work in, in cities and schools and, and youth groups that come from our members and their support. And it's, it's just, it's such an important subject and I'm mind blown. I like, I genuinely have a struggle point getting my head around why we have created so much stigma against this conversation. Right. Oh, and we completely do. And it's so ingrained in us that we don't talk about it. We don't share mistakes. Everybody caught a fish this big, you know, really huge. <laughs> I mean, I know we're audio now, but my hands are as far apart as they go. Uh, nobody <laughs> talks about the little tiny fish. They caught the big fish. But, you know, Lindsay said she learns from lessons, not lectures. That's the way she learns, but you've got both. If you just want lectures, you get that. You get the courses. But if you learn through lessons and other people, you also have that too. So you're recognizing that people learn different ways. We are. And, and look, we've worked with over 2,000 young adults. And, you know, we, we've worked with plenty of adults as well. That's not the point. The ecosystem of school and education, when you actually talk to a young adult, is very different from what they want. Right. They're like, dude, I want to play games. I want to listen to people. I, I want YouTube videos and Instagram highlight reels. Like I want something that's for me. And, you know, we put in all those things. We built and built and built something incredibly special so that wherever you are as a listener, you are the conversation is at your doorstep and there's ways to do and connect the ideas that make it feel real. And I think in many ways, we've really failed culturally to make things relevant, right? Like it's great to, to try to 10X and, and build a million dollar business. And we, we talk about it and highlight that. But for the individual that's like, yeah, but I don't understand credit. And it seems like everywhere I go, I need it, but I don't really want to dive into it because people say it's bad. Where, where do I start? And that's where Money Club is really shining is in that practical, relevant, you know, if you learn by listening, cool, we got that. You learn by getting active, we got that. Learn by conversation, we got that. Learn by games, we got that. And we really want people to challenge themselves through Money Club and with Money Club as a partner in their journey rather than just seeing it as like a one-off relationship. Who is Money Club for? You know, a lot of these courses are organized around ages. You specifically are not organizing around age. So who who would this be for? 
Well, we've got a stage called Foundations that's really targeted towards somebody underneath of a financial umbrella. So that might be a college student that's not financially independent yet. Could be a high school student. Uh, we've seen some master students that, that really fall in that category, but it's, it's your baseline. I'm not making my own financial choices or bearing all of my own financial responsibility yet. What would found- be the, what would be the youngest person then, uh, Aaron, that would get something out of Money Club? I'd say 12. And, okay. and we've had some really, like, really splendid 10 year olds go through and, and get a lot out of it. So it's, Really, like that middle school time frame is a beautiful time to introduce some of these themes as an early beginner, right? I mean, if I could go back in time and start at 12, oh my God, man. Like <laughs> I didn't learn some of this stuff till like four or five hours ago. <laughs> so I think earlier is better when it comes to these themes and inside of the foundations level courses, we've got lots of stuff to create conversations at home, right? Healthy dialogues at home. For stability and growth courses, you know, this is for the remainder of the family. So this is, you know, someone that's maybe just entered the working world or has been working for five years and hasn't figured it out yet or is 42 and wants to find ways to understand money differently and is tired of the banking conversation or that, that very annoying feeling when you, you look around and you know someone that has figured it out, but you don't want to ask them a question for fear of sounding like you don't know. Right. right? Yeah. So it's a pretty wide spectrum. But when we set out to do this, we went through a really good incubator program that helped us think about what we cared about most. And what we care about most is that all levels of the family are welcome. And obviously, we we prioritize youth because that change in the future starts there. We can really build the future by impacting the youth. But there's plenty of young adults, you know, young adult could be 25 that need the support in managing their student loans and managing credit cards and managing online spending. And we felt that if we remove this like age stigma, like by this age, you should be here financially. If we got rid of that, what would our model look like? And I'm really proud of that bravery and boldness because it's hard to be different. And we feel really strongly that that's a very important difference. I love that because you can't go back and get what you didn't have before. You can only start from now. Yeah. And and to do it in a way where like there's no judgment, whether you made mistakes, did it all perfectly, or you're somewhere in between, we're okay with that. If you if you didn't do well with your credit, cool, let's figure out where you are and let's help you figure out your next steps. There's no need to look backwards and say, well, you know, you could have done it differently. That that conversation is irrelevant, and yet that's the one that I see that's very pervasive, right? Well, well, he did it differently and then I, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I messed up. I guess I just don't have this figured out. And we'd rather say, okay, let's look at where you are and let's look at where you're headed. I'm also happy that, um, we're going to be in there experimenting as well. Uh, Aaron and I have already talked about creating money club radio and, and, and creating some fun audio content to go with money club. I can't wait to see where, where that takes us right now. We're, in the finishing stages of creating a prototype as we speak. So that'll be interesting as well. And by the way, you're adding new content to Money Club all the time. Uh, so much that I don't even know what I do on weekends anymore. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're launching a new course in July, in August, in September. Each month, we're adding a brand new course. Uh, we've got weekly content that goes in the cafeteria. We've got new podcasts that we're launching that all stays internal. We've got just all these interviews and conversations that are welcome. There's new stuff in the, in the community nearly every single day. The value of 
money club now compared to where it's going to continually evolve into is like one in a thousand, right? I mean, it's, it's clearly going to be really important for a lot of people. And we're so excited for the movement and how this affects many, many, many more. But even right now, like there's just so many awesome things happening that as this is unfolding for all of us and even talking about like money club radio, like there's so many cool things happening just in the conversation of money that has never been told before. Yeah. It's fun, but just like Disney plus or Netflix always have new stuff coming out. Money club. Our goal is to have new stuff coming out all the time. All right. This is a subscription service. So this is, let's get to the nuts and bolts of this about how it works and how you help people sign up. Uh, It's a subscription service. Let's talk about how the subscription works. Yeah. So look for, for stackers, we've got something special, you know, the, Typical yearly membership is something that we, we offer for about $90. We're going to break it down even lower for stackers. And we've got a great way to get you there, get you simply signed up and get you moved into money club right away. You can get into the community. You can do all that, you know, monthly is an option, but I think if you're committed, right, no one changed their life significantly in a month. I've never seen it done. So it takes some commitment. It takes some consistency. And what we're doing with, with your amazing listeners is offering a one year membership that will get them everything inside of money club for the entire family. One membership does it all. It'll be $79. And for that full year, anytime we release new content, they get access to it. They get access to the community where there's just going to be so much value. And, you know, if, if I could go back in time. So I'm serious about this number. If I go back 10 years and say, I'm going to spend $79 on getting educated with my money. And I spent multiples of that to get educated with my money. If I could go back and spend $79 and it made, I don't know, let's say a thousand dollar difference. That is a huge return on the investment. And, and we're just talking about like a linear thousand dollars, but if imagine, you know, $79 can change your stars at that point because education with money can change the way you see careers, the way you see family, the way you see your values. And we really prioritize values and attitude and mindfulness in the way we spend. I haven't seen a program as robust as ours, as practical and inviting as ours anywhere near this price point. And we are so focused on making a difference in the world. We think this is going to be a great position for your stackers. A couple things too for the stacker audience, Aaron, that, that I want to address is number one, uh, the way you get there, by the way, and we'll mention this again, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash money club. So stackingbenjamins.com forward slash money club. I'll just scrunch together as one word and that will get you. That's the link to get there. But whether it's money club or something else, you know, some people are going to ask us and some people have already asked that I've thrown this out too. Well, why don't we make it free? Well, the reason we don't make it free are a couple of reasons. People like Aaron do this full time. They need to be paid for their work. But then number two is I've found that when you commit to yourself, you actually follow through and you use it. Whenever I get free yep. tools, I don't use the free tools. Yep. Uh, we've given away lots of stuff. I look at the efficacy of giving away full stuff. Not as great. 79 bucks to invest that in your future. And listen, it, it doesn't have to be money club, but just the idea of investing in yourself. Stephen Covey talks about sharpening the saw and people get Aaron uh, stackers are so sick of hearing me talk about Stephen Covey, but, <laughs> but, but, but it truly is, is there always, always sharpen your saw, create this curriculum for yourself. And money club is a, a great way to do that. So uh, stackybenjamins.com forward slash 
Money Club to get there. Man, I'm looking at the clock. You and I next week in the on the uh, Stacking Benjamins Facebook page, we're going to hang out for about an hour. People can hang out with us, hang out with Aaron and I. We'll also leave it up on the page if you can't be there. But if you've got questions and you want to know more, we're going to dive in. Aaron's going to do some screen shares. We're going to share uh, a bunch more about Money Club. But I'm so excited, man. This is going to be fantastic. I think we're going to have a great club with your leadership. I think it's going to be amazing. Well, one, thank you for that. I mean, I, I think I'm more excited than anybody. Like this is, this is a chance to really make some positive ripples in a world, in a world right now that is, you know, looking for opportunities to connect. And this is a topic that I think we tend to disconnect from. And wouldn't it be a beautiful world if we can start mending some of these ties and having real conversations about, you know, things that matter to us and, uh, it just seems like there's never been a better time to have this conversation. Yeah, easily. Once again, stackybenjamins.com forward slash money club. Aaron, thanks for kicking this off with us. I appreciate you hanging out with us for a few minutes talking money club. Dude, thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate you. Hey, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's hilarious neighbor, Doug. How am I so good looking and hilarious too, you ask? It's a gift. And today, I'm gifting you a holiday. I'm sure you're also celebrating at your house. It's Tellin' Old Joke Day. Old jokes. Ha! How about this one? Joe's so old, when God said let there be light, Joe flipped the switch. That's old. Or better yet, Joe's so old, when he was a boy, the Dead Sea was only just a little sick. I'm on fire! While I give you time to start breathing again, let's share with you today's trivia question. On today's date in history, Amelia Earhart was born. But as you know, Earhart's plane mysteriously disappeared somewhere over the Pacific. And neither her remains nor her plane were ever found. But here's your question. In what year did she vanish? Might be the year Joe graduated high school. I'll be back faster than you can crack a joke with your answer like I just did because it's just so easy. All right, Don, this is the most important part of the podcast. You are entering into a zone where we're having a year-long competition between our three usual contributors today. You are playing the part of Len Penzo and you are not nearly... Oh, I'm Len Penzo. Yeah, you're not nearly doom and gloom enough. Oh, sorry. But 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 it is I'm Len Penzo. <laughs> but it, <laughs> but the fact that you talked about Stansberry research before this, uh, I think you get the exemption. So in this year long competition, here is the score. OG just pulled ahead with ten. Len has nine. And Paula, while you were gallivanting around the United States, you pulled into near into a tie with Len with nine. Whoa. I know. You're welcome, guests. Wait a minute. She can win by not being here? Uh, how about that? Yeah, Isn't that great? This is a great game. <laughs> well, that's why Len doesn't show up, Don, because he heard that you were going to come on, and he's like, I need Don to play for me. Mm, okay. Yes. So here's, here's the deal. Paula just pulled into the tie for second. And so, Paula, that means, do you want to guess first in the middle or last? I will guess last. Ah, that is weird. And then, Don... You can guess on behalf of Len in the middle or first? First. All right, which means, OG, you are guessing in the middle. So Amelia Earhart, we're doing the closest 
uh, we used to do the closest down without going over, but now it's just the closest yeah, date. Yeah, I heard that a couple of weeks ago. I went, That's kind of weird. <laughs> what, is, what is the date that uh, she disappeared? Honestly, what I year? do not know this, and I feel bad because I'm usually pretty good at trivia, but <clears throat> I am relatively confident because there was talk of some sort of Japanese involvement, so that kind of puts it in World War II. Uh, right around there. So I am going to kind of sneak in between Pearl Harbor and, you know, when we started doing, well, I'm going to say 1942. 1942. OG. Didn't her plane go down in the Atlantic? Pacific. What was she trying to Don, do? Don, don't help him. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're trying to go across the Pacific? I'm you're, not allowed to help you're, you. You're, 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 Joe's looking at me like I got three heads. <laughs> I'm just staring at him. I mean, I'm like, I don't know. Obviously, she ran out of gas. That's a pretty big body of water. Um, shoot, I have no, I have no clue either. It's basically, I just got to guess b- behind that or in front of that because Paul is just going to pick the other side. Basically, Don screwed because he's gonna, he's got 1942, and then I can go 41 and under. And then Paula will go one under me or one above. Don, what, what was, so. wait, wait a minute. Paula, you were here with Lance, weren't we, when he tried to play this game? Um, was anyway, 1939 is my answer. 19, mm. ni- 19. Oh, do, oh, we want a specific time? No. We, we might as well. Do we, is it year? Yeah, just 12, the year. Just 12, the year. P- 1242 p.m. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, uh, yeah. Well, how do we know what happens if it's a tie? What, people are on either yeah. side of the, the, the thing? Yeah. I, oh man, you make this difficult. No, that's okay. I'll just say 939. If it's tight, it's tight. Yeah. Then we'll both get points or award zero points. All right. So he thinks a little earlier than Don did. So Paula. All right. Well, I am going to guess that it was earlier than that. So I'll take 1938. Nice. Bam. See, I knew it was going to happen. Whoa. That's how it's done, Don. I right did there. not see that one coming. Ninja skills. <laughs> oh. Yeah, she was really good. <laughs> we'll see. She's been saving it though, Don. Years. I mean, she's that. ahead of everybody. <laughs> the first she must be good. The first half of the year, we were sure that Paula was sandbagging, and now we're learning that she was. Is that what we call it, Paula? Great strategy. You know, it's it's in the art of war that you do that. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Can you see that the best battle is the one that's never fought? The best trivia answer is to go last the first half of the year. Yes, I believe that's, that's that's something there. Well, we'd love to tell you right now what the real answer is, but of course we have to make you wait. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. 
Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Don, you kicked this thing off with 1942. You're earlier than, or you're earlier, you're later than the other two. So you said you thought it was during World War II. You got the whole World War II time frame. Yeah. That, you must feel good about that. I do feel good since they went pre-World War and the Pacific War. We weren't involved yet. So yeah, good. I'm happy. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, OG 1939. I think, I think, uh, I'm pretty confident, <laughs> pretty confident. You got it. I'm pretty confident. Paula? I mean, I've got the entire gamut of years from zero through 1938. Well, assuming you, you forgot about the like part of the entire history where there wasn't manned flight, so you don't have all of the time. <laughs> oh! oh. No, I, I do technically You have like from 1922 or whenever, whenever the... It was 18? I think it's like... I think it would be awesome if it was 1826. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what made it so special. Well, well, and that's why she disappeared. Seventy-two. It was right? a pedal biplane. No. Right after the Magna Carta, <laughs> Amelia Earhart was. Uh, all right, Doug, uh, you've got it from here, man. What's our answer? Hey, trivia fans! It's your favorite neighborhood comedian talking. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just realized when this calendar said old joke, I thought it meant jokes about being old. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad I laid those on you. But don't worry. I have some really old jokes you've never heard. How about it? Here we go. Uh, why did the golfer wear two pair of pants? In case he got a hole in one. <laughs> yeah, I probably can do better than that. How about this? Uh, two peanuts were walking down the street and one was assaulted. That'll do it, right? Am I right? And that was a, that one was really, yeah, okay, not really. Well, anyway, uh, I better cut this short before I make you pass out from lack of oxygen. But before I leave you, so we can all recover from my hilarity, let's get back to today's trivia. The question was this: On today's date, Amelia Earhart was born. But in what year did Earhart's plane disappear over the Atlantic? Well, Earhart's plane and the pilot were never found all the way back when she was 40 years old in 1937. Well, time to get out of here because I know of something else that will never land. One of Joe's jokes. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying. See Whoa. Oh, my goodness. I was so wrong. <laughs> I am uh, filing an appeal. Man, I... <laughs> Unintentionally, almost nailed it. You, you did. You were one. What's up with so that, good. Paula? I, I, I can't right? play this game anymore. Okay. <laughs> Paula's here. According to the internet, however, Don's like, I'm not coming back for at Can least I come a couple back episodes. When Paula's not here and play her. Yeah, just play Len and OG. It's a little easier, Don. Oh, okay. You're right. Yeah. She's not hard so to play. Strategy. She's too good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Paula's like, it was pure strategy. After an entire year of being in last place, or a year so far, so half a year, after an entire half a year of being in last place, I'm now no longer in 
dead last. Now you're Can t- I say something real quick? No. Lynn, I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry, Lynn. <laughs> Believe me. If, uh, well, let's say, Paula, don't you think he did what Len would have done anyway? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you played well. Um, yes. Excellent guess. Yes. By yes. the way, <laughs> for the record, she was declared dead in 1939. Oh. Oh. So. Oh, so there's an asterisk, you're saying? I, I, I would submit this to the judges for further evaluation. But it, no, no, but that doesn't matter, Don. We still oh, have sorry. a point of order here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he wants us to know that he still is. I, is I, there uh, was some number of 1939 that I recalled, <laughs> and the internet told me why. Because that's when she was declared dead. Oh, guys. That's when she died. Let's, to the let's take out the magnifying glass and help somebody do better so with their money. basically, I'm still winning. <laughs> in, in my mind. There's going to be two scoreboards. There's the real one, and then there's your guys's. <laughs> He's a winner in his own mind. There, yes, welcome to the show, Don. That's the way this whole thing's worked for the last eight years. Uh, today's hotline call comes to us courtesy of magnifymoney.com. You know what happens, Don, when you head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnifymoney? Your money gets bigger, and I don't know what happens. Well, see, you will find, not only that, you will find that those financial products you use every day at your bank, if you're at a brick-and-mortar bank, those are probably nowhere near the best in class. Over 92% of all the products available online all ranked against each other at magnifymoney.com, whether it's checking accounts, savings accounts, uh, refinance options, or... Credit cards, zero percent interest or low rate credit cards. And remember, don't don't. So you can spend one hundred ten percent of your. Please income. don't do that. Please use this as a strategy to get ahead, not to get behind. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for more. And today, by the way, we are going to go back to Twitter, where I asked a few people this question, and uh, I'd like to get all your take on this. I asked. How open are you about finances with your children? And actually, Paula, I'm going to start with you because you have a turtle. And I know the turtle doesn't talk back, but are you open about finances with Mr. Turtle? Joffrey? (laughs) You know, I can't say that the turtle and I have ever had detailed financial discussions. Um, Is that a problem in your relationship? Well, the turtle doesn't, uh, doesn't really talk much or at all. So that may be the bigger issue, the communication breakdown that happens when one of the two of you is a reptile. Yeah, is it, or uncommunicative. Right. Right. Exactly. Don't blame it on him being a reptile. He just doesn't talk. <laughs> he does hiss. He does hiss on occasion. So he communicates in that way. Yeah. So does he hiss when you talk to him about money? He hisses when I pick him up. He doesn't like to be handled. So let's say that you had children. How open would you be about uh, finances with your children? I would like to think that I would be very open. Um, I would like to think that throughout their life, I would give them age-appropriate lessons about money management. And part of that would be openly discussing money. Um, I'd probably have to think about what what age they should be when I talk about specific dollar amounts because... You know, when you're a kid, 20 bucks can sound like a lot of money. But I think that all of that would be, in an age-appropriate way, would be incorporated into teaching them good financial stewardship. Don, do you have kids? I do. I have four. So yeah, they're all old, though, because I'm old. Well, <laughs> well, that's me too, brother. But when it comes to being open with your kids about money, how open were you as a parent? 
I was pretty open, but only I think the things I was I tried to be most open about are the the reality parts of of life and money, the importance of saving and the value of the compounding that comes with that. Initially, it was more about trying to budget and learn how to spend with allowances and the like. We didn't really get into a lot of, you know, how much daddy made because there were times when daddy didn't make a lot and I didn't want to scare him. And there were times when daddy made a lot of money and I didn't want him to think we were rich. So, uh, you know, because your perspective when you're a child, you hear, you know, daddy's making $80,000 a year. You're going, well, <laughs> why aren't you spending more on me? Right. Um, <laughs> but I did along the way try to teach them about credit and credit cards and the dangers of those. Again, as Paula said, at age appropriate times. But we started out, you know, with the allowances and the allowances weren't just weren't just free money. If you didn't participate in the the, the home, then you you weren't entitled to make some money from the home. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think it's important to talk about money. And I think as your kids get older, it's increasingly important that you talk about the spending habits, the saving habits, the investing habits and the bill paying habits. What do you think about parents, though, that Don, that have bad bill paying habits? Should they be they open? Shouldn't share those with their children. <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice there. But should they be open about their money troubles with their kids? Only if they've learned that their behavior is detrimental and use it as an object lesson. If they truly believe that running up all your credit cards and then dodging creditors is a life skill. No. Yeah. OG, how about you? Open with the kids? I don't know. This is a tough question. I mean, kind of, sort of. We just have like just easy things that are just kind of normal for them. Like, for example, when they get money for gifts, if it's their birthday, we're pretty lenient on what they get to spend it on. You know, like if they just want to blow it, they can. But other monetary gifts for whatever reason from grandmas and grandpas or Christmas or something, just straight up half of that goes into their investment account. We use Stockpile. We talk about that pretty openly and and love the fact that they get to buy into brands that they recognize. And so I made sure to point out when their stock portfolio was down a whole bunch, but then also reminding them that they were still up despite the fact that they were down, you know. Can I ask you a question about that, OG? Because yeah, that's kind yeah. of curious. Yeah, sure. When the market was down, how did you handle their disappointment though that their money went from this wonderful level down to this terrible level for them? Well, I think, uh, first of all, we're not talking about a ton of money here. So that, that does help. But you're right. In the kids' eyes, a thousand bucks is life altering money. So what we did was focus on, for my oldest one anyway, and he's the one that's kind of the most interested in it right now. He's 13. Um, just, you know, went back to, yeah, it, it was 1200 and now you have 800, but you've only put in 500. And so it's not as good as it was, but it's still better than it could be. And I constantly reinforce this every quarter when they get their bank statements, because they get their bank statements from the credit union. And without fail, they've never let me down. The bank provides them with a gracious one penny of interest every quarter. So I go, hey, look, guys, <laughs> look at your money. It's and going gangbusters. And matches it. Yeah. I go, it's going gangbusters. Look at this. But then I simultaneously point out that they're you know, Microsoft stock paid a 58 cent dividend this quarter. And I'm like, so what are we learning? You know, 58 times better interest with half the money, you know, basically by, by owning companies. My oldest finally paid, figured it out. He knew that the market was down a whole bunch in, you know, in the spring. Yeah. And he said, 
hey, I think I want to take some money out of my wallet and, and invest some. He wanted uh, to invest while sale. it was down. Yeah. Nice. So nice. so we paid dad bucks. We used to give our kids cash, but they lose it because they have no respect for money. And, um, you know, they're kids, right? They just go like, sure. Where did, what did you do with the money that grandma gave you? Like, what money? Well, grandma gave you $50. Where is it? I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah. so we just stopped allowing them to do that. So, so I printed off my own money <laughs> fraudulently. No, it's made kidding. it really big. Like, it's really tiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> big bills. Yeah. Really tiny. But so we pay them a commission for different things. I stole that from somebody. I can't remember who said, uh, don't pay your kids an allowance or whatever. Give them a commission. Like they get a commission for doing this. They get a commission for doing that. Cruz. I think that's the Dave Ramsey, Rachel Cruz thing. Okay. Well then, I don't know that I want to claim that I turn them into little salespeople. Darn it! Yeah, yep. You, you, little OG salespeople to, running around. Earn a commission. All right, kids, you sell your that. stuff if you want money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter's trying to get me to commission her artwork, which is uh, she's four, and I don't think the it's- artwork is flowing. I love asking OG's daughter, "Hey, uh, so what is this a picture of?" She looks at me and goes, "I don't know," <laughs> and it all looks like Jackson Pollock, right? Yeah. It's all. Just crazy stuff. Yeah. Hey, hey, Don, I got two questions for you. Question number one was you were talking about uh, Roth IRA earlier, right? Kids and getting mm-hmm. a Roth IRA, yes. as soon as po- which is a great idea. But are you like OG where you like putting that in individual stocks so they kind of see how it works? Or would, do you prefer a fund? Tell me about Roth IRAs and where kids or parents should put that. I prefer a fund. I prefer, you know, some global diversification. I def- I really prefer setting great habits for the, you know, because they're most, in most cases, they're not going to be stock pickers and market timers. They're just going to put money in their 401ks and their IRAs. So I want a really well diversified product. For example, you know, I might set up a free account somewhere and go with VT, the Vanguard Total World Index, which, you know, I say, yeah. look, now you own the whole world. There you go. You're done. Yeah. So teach them to be bored by it mm-hmm. immediately. Right. Teach them to be bored by it, but enjoy the long-term process. We have done. We have done with Alex, my oldest, the doubling exercise. You know, it's like, okay, we expect this to double every give or take eight years. Let's say you're 13. Let's count them up. By the time you're 70, it's going to double, you know, nine times. You got 1500 bucks. Boom, 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 boom. Look. Wow. That's 650 grand. That is such a powerful picture. You know, so yeah. you know, we're pretty open with that. We um, we don't talk a lot about like how much mommy and daddy make and stuff like that. No, because it's kind of the same deal. Like some, it's feast or famine around here. Like some days are great and some days aren't great. But you know, they they it, go to school, they get food. It depends on how many of their toys they sold that week. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it depends on how much food they get. How well, many rations? One more question for you, Don. Which is you talked about also having an allowance for the kids. How did your allowance work with the kids? Uh, me paying the kids. Yeah. Uh, there was a set amount that they got for things that I weren't, I wasn't going to buy. The, th- the things that they want, their little wants. That's just part of being part of the household. The things they would want at a grocery store or or whatever it might be. But I did pay them for jobs. We had a we had a chart on the refrigerator, and that chart had jobs and how much they were worth, so that they would at least get something about the value of work. Yeah. And, nice. And, and uh, so that worked very well because I had uh, I had a couple of kids who just worked their tails off and made a fortune. And then I had the other ones who would go to their siblings and try to bomb money. OG is one of those. And he always puts on the board, make the podcast for dad and Joe and kids never do it. <laughs> we try to, well, we know, try pay to them enough. Apparently, if they're not doing it, you need to raise the, the, the fee. Well, and it's, <laughs> and it's also funny. Supply and demand market. <laughs> 
must be. Did you notice this, Don, with your kids that they, I mean, it sounds like it, that they all had different money personalities too. Absolutely. Like my oldest is the super saver and hasn't spent a penny of his birthday money from aught six. And then my other kid is his birthdays in four days from now. And he's already spent all the money. He's already shaken. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten his money yet, but he's already got it spent. You know? Oh, my, uh, my, my youngest daughter, she manages to spend money that she doesn't have yet. And she manages to spend it before she has it. Yeah. yeah which is even more magical. That's a skill. Yeah. That is, that is Talent. a skill. Uh, Paula, what type of an allowance does Joffrey get? Uh, well, he gets lots of turtle snacks. Oh man. Uh, One piece of lettuce. Yeah, yes. Lettuce, turtle pellets, uh, shrimp, occasional shrimp. Yeah. That's the delicacy. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well fed turtle. I want to talk. Turtle soup? (laughs) No, that's all. Oh. Oh. No? Too soon? Turtle cannibal. (laughs) That's so bad. (laughs) Is turtle soup really made from turtles? I wouldn't know. Uh, I think so. Okay. I mock think so, turtle yeah. soup is made from a mock turtle, but turtle soup's made from real turtles. Mm. Yeah. That's uh, delicious. Uh, <laughs> that's so bad. <laughs> Hope Joffrey isn't listening. You got Joffrey in the different room, don't you, Paula? Yeah, yeah. Joffrey Good. is, uh, yeah. Joffrey doesn't want to hear that. not listening to this. No. Uh, when we asked this on on Twitter, some of our friends on Twitter replied, Lee at from the We Travel There podcast said, we're just now starting to open up ages five and nine. We talk about bills that need to be paid, but we don't talk about amounts. So to your point, they talk a little bit about, hey, we got to pay this stuff. We also talk about trade-offs. If we don't take care of our stuff, we have to spend money to fix and replace it instead of having fun with that money. I do like to use bills as a great example, especially when they're you know, using that idea that kids have no idea how much really anything is and just going, well, electric bills, $400 this month. And then they're like, oh my God, we're broke. And I'm like, yep. And that's why we're eating at home. <laughs> you know, talk about not scaring soup. the kids and having turtle that's soup. Right. <laughs> yeah. Kids, go find your own turtle. We did. <laughs> that's and, they, so- and then they come back with Paula's, and you're going to feel bad. That is bad. We played a game at our house with the utility bill where I just took some, you know, grid paper and we looked at the <laughs> flip the fuse box switch and be like, well, guess you didn't pay your electric bill. This is what happens. <laughs> no power in that room. And there's, a, there's a lesson, kid. Yeah, Nick, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. There's a lesson. No, we took out a grid because I got tired of coming home and the whole house is lit up like Disneyland. You yeah. know, both TVs are on. Nobody's watching either one yep. of them, right? It's middle of summer. It's 95 degrees. Doors open. Yeah. Whatever it might obviously. be. And so once a month when the utility bill would come, we would plot it on a grid. And actually, there was no money involved with this. Just total nerdery. Just total. And I, but I got to tell you, once we started tracking it, like the kids were like, Dad, shut off the TV. I'm like, but I'm still watching it. Dad, shut off the TV. Uh, it was. <laughs> I think it was, that's going to. I think that would backfire. It was. It would. Be, it wouldn't work at your house. Uh, Ian just says uh, at Ian Horn seventeen says just open enough. Thanks, Ian. Uh, Michael at uh, M Vatour sixty nine said very open. My kids are now all in their twenties, and we've always made it a duty to explain and share money management. They know pretty much all about our situation. And I want to go down here to. Our friend Michelle Kagan, who's been on the show a few times, she's written lots of basic finance books for Simon & Schuster. Uh, Michelle said, she's at Michelle Kagan CPA, 
She's very open. I can't expect him to understand money without showing him how it moves into and out of our household. He knows when we have good bad months, when we go on super ninja austerity budget, and that saving comes before spending. That's some good stuff. And then Anissa Kurji, uh, Kids Money and More, says, tell them pretty much everything except how much we have, uh, how much we earn, how much we have in the bank. I believe in it so much that I have my own kids podcast that teaches young kids the basics of money. Maybe we should talk to Anissa about that. So I just put a bumper sticker on the back of my Ferrari that says spending my kids inheritance. <laughs> I love that bumper sticker. I want one. Yeah. You can also put it on your boat or you could have the, you could have the ATV. bumper sticker done. I'll take the Ferrari. Yeah. Okay. That's all. You know what? That's all I'm going to, I'm not going to be able to afford the Ferrari. I have so. neither any of those things. I'm our joking. good friend, the money coach, Lynette Kilfani Cox said, I'll end with this one. We tell our kids pretty much everything, perhaps too much. The other day, our 14-year-old daughter asked us, have you guys updated your wills this year? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> My kids asked that. I'm like, hey, I'm not dead yet. Stop squirming. Yeah, yeah. right. Kids, kids, the last check's going to pay that $400 utility bill before right. I go. <laughs> so don't even worry. And Lynette finished by saying, me? Well, um, no. And she said, well, you really should, you know, with COVID and all, just to be on the safe side. And then she said, uh, us in this worried look. That's great. Uh, thanks for that one, Lynette. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to hang out with us on Twitter, it's Average Joe Money, and we'll ask people another question, some great replies. That's going to do it for today. We will ask our guest of honor again last what's going on at his show. But uh, OG, what do you got coming up this weekend, big guy? Well, we're going to have a uh, birthday party for for uh, William, my middle kid. Right. Um, big, big 11. He's in the one one category now i don't know it's fantastic know. 11's really a marked birthday uh, that's a um, it's kind of a flyover birthday isn't it <laughs> just like 10's a big one 13 12 you can kind of sit you know 11's Something. just uh, not even yeah. might as well skip it but uh but it'll be a great birthday party with no one coming because you know right stupid COVID. stupid COVID. we did just we did uh have three kids over in june for my other son's birthday when his birthday was in April. So based on that timeline, William should have his birthday party sometime in September. Perfect. Fantastic. Yes. Well, happy birthday to William. You should tell him you're like down the hall from him. <laughs> down the hall from him. <laughs> that is true. Oh yeah. I'm here. Uh, Paula, what's happening at that afford anything podcast? On the Afford Anything podcast, we have an episode about how personality is not as permanent as we might think it is. So it's an interview with an organizational psychologist who talks about how our personalities are pretty changeable, pretty adaptable. And that means that we have the power to be the person that we want to be. Um, so that interview was at the Afford Anything podcast. And then PSA Thursday, which is a segment that we do in which on Thursdays we deep dive into a specific topic that relates to surviving the pandemic. On PSA Thursday, we talk about what to do if you are a landlord and your tenants can't pay the rent, um, oh. how to avoid bad situations. Oh, so Boy, the, the, all of that's on the afford anything podcast where finer podcasts are distributed. Exactly. The fact that your personality can change. There's a joke there and I'm just not coming up with it. There's something there and I'm not getting it, which is don't let Doug write it. I know, right? Holy no, cow. Don't let Doug write it. Please. please, please no. Thanks for hanging out with us, Mr. McDonald. I had so much fun. Really. I, I'm I'm, I'm just, so glad I'm, we and I knew it I knew I would because I listened and I go, I really want to do that show. That's so much fun. I'm I'm finally glad we got here. It only took us two years. We got to hey. do it more quickly the second time around. 
as long as it eventually happened, I'm happy. Well, what's happening at Talking Real Money? I hate to say this. I really do. But, you know, I don't have a clue. We really don't plan that well. (laughs) We kind of just talk about stuff. It's really uh, when we do the Saturday show, we kind of get together in the morning before the show and go, what are we going to talk about today? It's like Friday. Tom watched the Stansberry thing. And on Saturday, we talked about it on the show and then put it up on the podcast the next week. So it's uh, it's what we're going to talk about every single time is how we believe, how I believe. And I believe since I started doing financial talk radio 30 years ago, 32. Oh, my God, I'm old. Um, that <laughs> Investing is not a game. Investing is incredibly serious. It is not nearly as complicated as a lot of the folks on Wall Street would like you to believe it is. And that you can invest successfully all by your lonesome if you don't make it a game, if you don't try and beat the market. Well, and you warn people on a lot of shows. Of course, we talked about the Stansberry newsletter, which is incredibly interesting. You talk about Robin Hood, which has been mm-hmm. something we talk about here a fair amount is uh, what's going on over there. You talk about robo-advisors, about annuities. Oh, uh, the annuity people hate. In fact, one of the running things is a caller will go and go, they'll call up and go, uh, I have an annuity. Don't yell at me. Uh, <laughs> only yell at them if it's an indexed annuity. That's the only ones I yell Oh, at. man. We did a story recently about that woman. Did you see the TikTok video? The woman on TikTok talking about how great annuities are and about how you shouldn't save into your 401k, Don. You need to save into an annuity instead. Of course you do, because she's getting a 10% commission. I, she Believe it or not, she fails to disclose that. No, here's what they do. <laughs> they don't just fail to disclose it. I actually go to the steak dinners. Oh, do you really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love going to the steak dinners. And my hand goes right up and I go, hey, hey, excuse me, it's really important. Uh, uh, what's the commission? Oh, no. What what do you mean commission? Well, no. How much do you get paid? Oh, you don't pay us. The company, the insurance company pays us for bringing in the uh, the accounts. That is my favorite workaround. Oh, in the polyester suit. How great is that, Paula? They don't pay us. Or you don't pay us. The annuity company pays us. Get rid of polyester suit. That sounds like a dodge of a question. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it's and for you know what's funny is it for the for the folks in the audience it's an effective dodge because they're providing them what they want. They're giving them what they want, which is high returns with no risk apparently, the illusion of that. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Yeah. And that is uh talking real money wherever finer podcasts are distributed, Don. Pretty much everywhere. Absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for us everybody. Doug, you got it from here, my friend. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take a lesson from our headline. Maybe put less emphasis on the retire part and more emphasis on finding a way to fund your lifestyle that you're passionate about. Then you won't miss out on fun today for a future that may never arrive. Second, take a lesson from Aaron Velke. Nothing for the kids this summer? Maybe teaching them and yourself some money skills is a great way to build yourself a money lesson curriculum. But the big takeaway, if you thought I was funny, then you haven't heard Joe's mom. We can't tell any of her jokes, though. She even makes her motorcycle gang blush. That lady's salty. Big thanks to Don McDonald for joining us on the roundtable this week. You can find Don at TalkingRealMoney.com or on our show notes page at StackingBenjamins.com. 
Also, thanks to Aaron Velke for joining us to help launch the Stacking Benjamins Money Club. Want in? Check us out at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash money club. Joe, we're going to have those sweet jackets though, right? The ones with the little things on the on the shoulders that you can... Okay, cool. Thanks. Awesome. Hall of Pants appears courtesy of affordanything.com and the Afford Anything podcast. This show is created by Joe Saul Seahide, produced by Karen Rapine, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I do not like computer jokes, not one bit. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. Wait! Where are you going? I was going to make espresso. has this amount of time this amount of time sorry i'm watching uh this guy created famous basketball scenes like buzzer beaters out of lego animatration (laughs) you're kidding me really like 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 they're doing the kick six from auburn and alabama (laughs) all in legos that's when you know that covid is holy hell i wouldn't have that amount of time if if i it's a fire if you gave guy. me, it's like my father-in-law said to me, are you recording guy. this? <laughs> yes. It, so this is, this might be good after show material. I wouldn't have this amount. Of, my father-in-law said to me, he goes, well, you know, give me the summer and I could beat a Rubik's cube. I said, no, you couldn't. I said, you could have 10 lifetimes. And you won't beat it until, until you know the math problem. That's a Rubik's cube. You know, like if you know how to do it, then you can do it. But just like fiddling with it, you'll never figure it out. It's like throwing a dart at a whole bunch of words and trying to create a novel. It's just, it's impossible. If I had all the time in the world, I would not be able to create this. You would not create a, a Lego thingy dingy. I should Question, retweet it. You would not be able to create it, or you would not be motivated to waste your time trying to create it. Yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Both of those things. Paula, did you solve the Rubik's Cube? No. No? The what? The Rubik's <laughs> She does all my... <laughs> That's such a Paula answer. <laughs> what? Paula's no idea. You don't know what the Rubik's Cube is? Like the cube, right? Yeah, with all the little squares, and you try to get the, the colors yeah. to all Without line taking up. the stickers off and putting the stickers <laughs> back the way you want it. Yes. No, no, I've, I've never solved one. <laughs> I never thought of that. Taking the stickers off. <laughs> That's the easy way. I, I love this show. It's, uh, 
Oh, we give you the shortcut to everything, Doug. Exactly. I am just you guys. That's what you should do. The heck with this money stuff. Let's just tell us how to cheat our way to success in all manner of things. Well, that's it. You know, I mean, we were talking about Stansbury Research earlier. So what we do, we put out a newsletter saying that you had 24% returns and, you know. Good for it, you. Yes. I mean, there it is. Yeah. We predicted it. We did. We we predicted it today. Right. And it was yesterday. <laughs> like the, it was yesterday. The best way to make money, Paula, is to print it. Absolutely. <laughs> also, the best way to go to jail. Also, <laughs> That's my next show, Talking Counterfeit Money. Is that, is that, that, you know, that could be a strategy, though. We talked about fire on the show today. Why wouldn't we have it? Hey, here's a way to get three free meals a day and uh, make some new friends. And There's a story well, in the town that I grew up in of some high school kids that started using the fancy new laser color printer at school. And uh, the folks no. down at the 7-Eleven started, no. started finding it was a little fishy when they started paying for their 75-cent Slurpees with $50 bills. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. They the got, trick isn't really the laser printer itself. It's that fancy paper. Well, I think that might have been the tip-off, although the other... It's glossy. <laughs> when you get glossy dollars. But... but <laughs> <laughs> but I did have, I did see a story about somebody who came into a, uh, you know, a Seven Eleven convenience store, or whatever, and gave somebody a fake, a, some fake money that was like six times as because my grandparents used to own a printing company, and one of their advertising campaigns that they did for another company was to print money, and so they called the Secret Service, and they had, to get, there's all these rules about printing money. You can do it, you just have to follow these rules. Like it has to be like huh? six times bigger. Yeah, it has to be. There's all these. Oh. All these like if you're going to do you it, can you can print fake money. You can bring it fake money as long as it, <laughs> it's it's got to be like a third the size or six times bigger or something. Some really gotcha. just huge disproportionate. Anything in between that and it's considered illegal. Illegal. And so they had all these all these rules. But anyway, somebody walked into a convenience store with like, you know, you know, you like win the million, the mega millions, you get the big check. <laughs> like the the big yes. fake check that you put on the news, like that guy walked in with like a like a a fifty dollar bill or hundred dollar bill that was like ten times the size of a normal one, and literally told the clerk, "Well, this is how they make those. That's how you know it's worth more." You're kidding. And me. the guy was like, "All right, here's your bill. change. These little twenties. That's why you ever see the guy lift the drawer. That's to put the big bills. Yeah, in. that's <laughs> we got to fold them up a couple times, <laughs> put them in there." Or, or the guy who just printed ones on his counterfeiting thing. Oh, that's yeah. all I could do was ones. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't do more than one. Yeah. A photocopy machine. I could only photocopy ones. Could you see him explaining that to the owner of the gas station or the convenience store? No. Well, he said it was. It's, it's worth more. Yeah. That's why it's bigger. That's how <laughs> yeah. you know. Exactly. It makes it legit. We just did the end of the show. Nice job, guys. All right. Now we'll go back and do the beginning. We sometimes do that, Don. We, hey, we have this good. segment called the after show where we do 45 seconds of silence and then we uh, have that. So what that topic we had is our after show topic. We're not going to do that. So it's kind of like the albums you would get and they would record something at the and that little mm -hmm. last clear spot. Hidden yeah. track. Yeah, the hidden track. You got it. I forgot that. I'm so Fight old. Club. I remember vinyl. <laughs> I should I should be recording that. Uh, actually, we are recording that, so that's good. Steve, Steve, bonus, bonus Steve, segment. Steve could stitch all this together and make it sound like somehow. Butter. Steve, make that funny.
Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.